Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Destination Indie. This is Destination Indie episode number three, and we have got a really, really interesting game. Uh, I have never played this before until we went to do this episode. We are going to be covering What Remains of Edith Finch, and I couldn't do this alone. So, of course, I had my co-host, Kylia, joining me this episode to help me kind of dive into this to discuss all the things that we could think of about what remains of Edith Finch. Kylia, how you doing? Ahoy! I am good. Thank you for asking. Awesome. I'm glad that you're here because uh, I don't know about you, but this game really put me put me in a weird mood. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of a big it was a big downer. I'm gonna be honest. I thought it was gonna be a scary game. It was a big downer, but I'm glad that we're getting a chance to actually talk about it because if not for you. And this show, I probably would have never actually sat down to play this game. And I'm so glad that I did. And I can't wait to dive into it with you. So That's absolutely the point of this. Right? Um, currently, What Remains of Edith Finch is still available on Game Pass. Uh, feel free to download it. It's a small game. And you can really enjoy uh, just the little eccentricities about it that I, I wasn't expecting as I was going through. But every time... I moved forward in the game. It was just a little, a little more surprise and a little more interest. Uh, so, before we get into the nitty gritty of the actual uh, story, and and we'll we'll do some spoilers. What do you think? We'll do some spoilers yeah. later on. Um, I figured we could dive into some of the information about the studio uh, and some of the people that are there. Um, just kind of some general broad knowledge for folks and. Uh, Maybe some information about achievements. I don't know. Did you have that? Because I know we were doing that last time. Yes. Um, I'm not prepared for the achievement thing, but we can make it happen. Uh, that's okay. I will see if I can pull that up right now and dig into it. So give me an idea. And for folks that are listening, uh, who is this studio and uh, why, why are they so interesting? Okay. Well, let's just run through our fact sheet. Um, studio is Giant Sparrow. It was published by Annapurna, who I actually really like Annapurna because they tend to find the little quirky ones and then help them bring them to light. Um, there were 14 people who made this game, and the studio, Giant Sparrow, is based in Santa Monica, California. And they actually started in 2009, so they've been around for over a decade. Their first game was Unfinished Swan, and we've actually mentioned that before if you're paying attention because... Ben Esposito, the guy who created and made Donut County, actually helped out on both Unfinished Swan and What Remains of Edith Finch. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Wasn't expecting that, honestly. Uh, uh, what Remains of Edith Finch did release on July 4th of 2019, so it's been out a little while, and it came to Game Pass four months ago. And just to warn everybody, it is a walking simulator, so if that is not your jam... I still encourage you to give this a try, but know that. Honestly, though, for being a walking simulator, it was pretty gripping. There was there was not really a time where I, I felt like I was bored because I was just walking around. And in fact, I think this game, uh, when I first started it, seemed a lot creepier than, than it actually is. Uh, it's actually a really sad game, which... I don't know about you, but you you kind of you kind of nailed it with the <laughs> with indie games. They're either super uh, technical or super story driven, and for whatever reason, indie games just like to have death in it, and I don't know why. Yes, and anybody who's had any discussion about indie games with me before has definitely heard me 
rant about that, that it's a it's a crux, uh, crutch that people lean on um, to try and make their stories more impactful. And definitely they not only took that in this game, but ran away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was doing a little bit of digging while we were talking uh, for the achievements. This actually the achievements for this are actually really simple. Uh, you should be able to get through all of these and uh, not have too much trouble with it. There's 10 achievements each at 100 points and you get one just for finishing the game and watching the credits. So actually you get two for finishing the game <laughs> and watching the credits. So those are the only two that I have. Uh, but this game was so emotional at the beginning that I really didn't want to go through it again uh, until some time had passed. Um, I figured I would jump down the description since it happens to be right in front of me and kind of give a little bit of background on what remains of Edith Finch, if that's good with you. Yeah, have at it. Awesome. So the description says, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch is a collection of strange tales about a family in Washington State. As Edith, you'll explore the colossal Finch house, searching for stories as she explores her family history and tries to figure out why she's the last one in her family left alive. Each story you find lets uh, you experience the life of a new family member on the day of their death. With stories ranging from the distant past to present day, the gameplay and tone of the stories are as varied as the Finches themselves. The only cons constants are that each is played from the first person perspective and that each story ends with the family member's death. Ultimately, it's a game about what it feels like to be humbled and astonished by the vast and unknowable world around us. I'm really, I can't say it any better than that, honestly. I think this game had so many unique story elements that came to life uh, when playing through this that it's, it's almost kind of hard. I, I feel like it's one of those games that I really had to actually sit down and think about each member of the family. And each of them has their own kind of like mini indie game built into it as you're kind of playing along. Um, but what were some of your thoughts starting off? Um, I'd like to actually touch a little bit more on the story. Yeah. So um, the Finches actually start in another country in Norway. And um, the great, great grandfather, Odin, he actually decides to come um to the United States and bring his house <laughs> and in his travels um, he hits a huge storm and he loses not only his house but basically part of his family and, and it gets kind of ugly and that's where the game starts its story um, and it's it's unusual because the people who did survive and make it they believe that they've brought the curse that the family has with them and watching these people live their lives knowing um, that they're not going to live a full life is really interesting how each of them kind of embraces that. It's funny that you bring that up too, because that is something that's in the description that doesn't even get touched on is, is that this whole family really does feel like they are cursed down to every last member. Uh, and just based on what happens to each of the family members, I almost kind of wonder if they're right. And I don't know. Was that something that you wanted to kind of touch on? Like, do you think that they actually are cursed? So it's an interesting point of discussion. Are the characters in the game cursed and their family cursed? Or are they just the world's most unfortunate family? 
and they just bad things keep happening to them, but it isn't truly, you know, it's just bad luck. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because some of the some of the things that happen to them don't seem like, for example, we were we were talking earlier on, and one of the uh, one of the actual characters is is killed, but we don't really understand like how. But the way it's presented in the game, it's presented as if she was killed by creatures, not by a person. But it doesn't. Like that doesn't make sense, obviously. Like, uh, and I, it, I just realized the character that we're talking about is Barbara, um, who ends up dying, and we don't really understand how. But it's kind of presented as though it might have been her boyfriend that killed her. It could have been. It's so we hard. Just, like, start putting spoiler warnings here. Well, that was okay. <laughs> so that's that's one of the few things that it, I, I just want to touch on. Um, I guess it's up to you if we wanted to to dive into the deaths. Uh, where did you want to go? Well, I was going to say it's it's a hard discussion because as you play through the story of Barbara, uh, Edith alludes to the fact that there's many different theories about how Barbara died, um, but the one that her grandma chose to kept around keep around is the one that we actually experienced through the gameplay. Yeah. So we don't truly know what happens. We, I mean, we know she dies, um, but I mean, are there really like vampires and werewolves and that kind of thing that snuck up on her? So I, who knows? I think that's an interesting thread to kind of pull into uh, or, or pull on is is that um, the reason why uh, Edith is going to this house is because her mother uh, has kind of told her all of these stories are are. It feels like her mother, at least, is trying to pull her away from the nonsense that her grandmother has been telling everyone. Like you, you talk about uh, her, her grandmother being the one that is holding on to the stories of how the Finch family members have died, and you're kind of, kind of telling these stories uh, as you progress through the house. You find out more and more about the different characters. So it, it makes me wonder, you know. If if obviously these stories aren't all true, a lot of them are kind of exaggerated. Uh, it makes me wonder if the curse is not necessarily a curse, but a legacy of the family. Definitely, i I think that it's it's kind of like that saying where where there's three versions of the truth: your inner mind and the real one. Um, what really happened to these people? I think that, and it revis- it visits us over and over in the game. Um, what really happened to these characters? Is it these stories that are being told by Edie, who is the grandmother, who Edith is named after? Um, or is it something far less sinister and it's just the way that it's happened? Yeah. I, I really, it's hard for me to make a decision which way, because if I choose to, believe that it's just bad luck that this family is coming across there is a lot of bad luck in that family mm-hmm. which is totally but what did they do to get oh. crazy what did they do to get cursed yeah and that that kind of makes me wonder like if if they're not if they're not cursed or if if they are cursed then how does how does he, i mean the game kind of touches on that but it's just really strange to to even have that as like a weird way of of coming across that that situation with the family it's like well what's 
what's actually happening to me. Is it really just bad luck? Because it seems it seems too coincidental that every member of the family would die and that every death has a really weird way of dying. It's not just like they died of a disease or they died because of a car accident or, you know, it's every death seems very strange to me. It's definitely one of the more surprising things in the game. I mean, it's you're going into this knowing that people are dying, um, but the manner of death in each case and how you experience said death is a really interesting driving factor within the game. So, um, for example, there is a kid who was um, accident prone. And he decided to swing on the swing set. And uh, the narrative is told as such that he wanted to fly. And so he did. Um, He wanted to go, you know, you can't actually 360 on a swing. Um, He insisted on 360ing on the swing. And he wanted to fly. And he did. And that's how he died. Um, There's a, a different discussion to be had of he didn't actually fly. You know, he was swinging really fast and really hard on an area <laughs> that had no fence and go straight down to the rocks in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, you, you bring a solid point. Um, it definitely feels like a lot of these are just really bad situations that I don't know, maybe if the parents had been watching more on a lot of these kids that it wouldn't have been the case. Like it wouldn't have been something that had happened. Cause I mean, at this point the boy was, was left alone and, you know, had a parent been there watching, there's probably a good chance that the parent would have said, Hey, you know, don't do this. And it wouldn't have been an issue. And that happens more than once in this game too. Yeah. Brings up the one that we were talking about earlier that there's a moment in the game, a death of, a child. Um, and when I say child, I do mean child, like a year old. Um, that that seems like it's going to be a really tough moment. Would you like to talk a little bit more about your feelings on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it's safe to say, like at this point, we should probably sound the sound the uh, the the warning. You know, we'll, yes. we'll we'll do the spoiler warning at this point. We need like a sound right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> we're we're gonna call it here. Uh, spoilers. If you if you don't want to learn the 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 outcomes of a lot of these and you want to experience them for yourself, I highly encourage you to jump on Game Pass, download this. It's a quick game. I mean, I'm watching a playthrough. It's an hour. It's short short of two hours. So really easy to jump in, play through. It's like like Kylie said, it is a walking simulator. It's just a really compelling walking simulator. Uh, way more than I was anticipating. But I will say that the game is very good at holding your hand and directing you to the next area it wants you to see. So there's no worrying about like multiple paths. Did I find the right thing? Like it walks you through the whole path of the game. Yeah. Without you having to worry too much other than just experiencing it. Yeah, that I, I really did actually appreciate that. Um, with the fact that you're you're kind of going through this maze of a house uh it it is really clear that there is just one linear path and the linear path de- definitely circles around on itself 
a couple times, but you always find a unique way to get around this house, which I think the house being a character in and of itself is um, really amazing. And and I really do appreciate just how unique uh, of an environment this is for you to be able to play around in. So um, you've had plenty of time at this point. If you are still with us, then you're okay with spoilers. If you're If you're not, Again, I encourage you, go play the game, come back, finish up the rest of the episode. But we're going to be diving into, uh, in in no pun intended with this story, but we're going to be getting into Gregory's story, uh, who is a one-year-old. Your story with him begins as uh, a, a child in a bathtub, which doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. You're just kind of sitting there playing with a frog and you actually control the frog and this is it's a really interesting story because it starts to play um i'm trying to remember the name of the song it's like claire de lune uh in the bathtub and you get this beautiful music that starts to come up as you are uh playing around with this frog in the bathtub and in the background the story of what's actually going on is is a mother is picking up the phone of a husband after a separation they start to fight and the the child is left unattended with a nut with you, know, with you know more than three inches of water in this bathtub. Very dangerous to do. Make sure you're always watching your children when there's water around. It doesn't take much for them to drown. It's a really sad situation. This is one of those situations where when I got into the story, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew that the story of the divorce was going to play a factor into the mother being distracted, and that. Gregory was going to be left unattended in this bathtub. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, this is, this is not, I don't want to have to see this. And as we get into uh, Gregory playing with the the frogs and playing around with the, the different elements, um, it's clear that what's going to happen is he's going to end up drowning in this bathtub. And that's going to be the, the story of the story. But the way that they approach it is so unique, um, and I and I would I would love for you to kind of take some time to dive into this. But how did you feel uh, playing through this again? I had a very so I played it years ago, and um, to be completely honest, I forgot much of the game. So I wanted to play through it again to kind of refresh my memory. And as I started playing through, I started remembering things, um, namely, and we're not going to go there yet, but the ending. Um, the ending was one of the first things I remembered when I started getting to this one. Oh no. Um, but I actually had completely forgotten about this particular death. Um, yeah. Gregory's. And so when I got to this scene, I had kind of like you probably did being your first time, a cringe moment, like, Oh no, I can't believe that they're actually going to do this. Like this is a one-year-old baby. Like you can still see his baby pudge if you look down. Yeah. Um, but I, I, they handled it really well. You know what I mean? Like they kept during the narrative of you playing around as this frog. There's um, sentences that come up and it's actually how the whole game is managed. There's sentences here, sentences there that kind of give you the story as you move along. And the sentence um, talks about how happy the child was and how he was almost too happy for a baby and how he's playing with these toys. And, and when he, gets to the point where she's yelling at the ex-husband um, and you can kind of see like the text of where she's yelling at him um, and the baby's starting to drown. 
they they take it and they turn the baby into a frog and then like the baby can kind of like move around and he's all happy and he's playing with his toys and i just it was a very classy way to handle such a sensitive subject that even though i cringed at first like oh no what is this about to happen um it wasn't what i thought which is good you know i thought it was going to be a lot more brutal yeah than what they showed yeah just having just having gregory like as soon as the you know as soon as he dives into the water it changes from him being in the bathtub to it being like an underwater ocean with kelp and fish and the little toys he was playing with and the words of the story coming up and having uh having him swim towards the drain and the drain is the way that the story ends and it's kind of like him transcending this life into the next kind of realm and it was really it was really uh, it was really interesting just to kind of have the dichotomy between uh the beautiful music of claire de lune playing and having gregory laughing and having a good time but hearing in the background the mother and the father who just recently been divorced uh arguing and how that must be for for kids that are dealing with parents who are going through a divorce. Um, so to see like him being happy and having a good time, even though you you know what is happening, it it kind of breaks that sense of like this is a really heavy story. Like don't don't live too much in this moment because we're going to take you somewhere else quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think that it was handled very well. I played another game that we'll talk about in a future episode that has a very similar, very sensitive subject. Um, and I think that that where in both cases where they really could have done something gruesome and and triggering, they have chosen not to. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's that's a good way of handling it so that it becomes something that's worth discussion, but not for the reasons that you you kind of cringe about that it would be yeah yeah and i i will say that anyone playing through this game if it's if it's recently after you've lost someone maybe want to hold off on that because uh even though a lot of the situations that come about with this game are unrealistic uh they are very extravagant as far as like you know what happens to people uh still losing someone is never an easy thing and that i could definitely feel that going through this game and feeling that as as we were learning more and more about these different family members um you mentioned something that i know that you wanted to touch on and is actually kind of happening right now is is as good of a game as this is uh i've i'm having trouble remembering specifically all the different family members and how they died uh in the names of each of the family members um and i wanted to kind of see if you wanted to to elaborate a little bit more on your feelings on um how you kind of dealt with that you know i hear wonderful things about what remains of edith finch what people think of it and how much they enjoyed it um and having played a number of walking simulators like dear esther gone home uh, vanishing of ethan carter I, I feel like What Remains of Edith Finch is a very good game. However, having played through it and then just completely forgotten the entire game, um, it, it didn't stick with me like a lot of games do. And it was very disappointing to me. I mean, I enjoyed it and I think it's a good game. 
um, and definitely worth a play. But it's I feel bad for the game because you recently played it and a lot of it didn't stick with you. I played it a long time ago um, and I pretty much completely forgot the game. I, like I so said, it started coming back to me when I started playing it. But I, I feel like even though it, it's got all these these deaths and the crazy gameplay and stuff, it just doesn't stick with you. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just overkill because they've killed 15 people or <laughs> no, I th- why? I think you're spot on with that. I think that's actually exactly what it is. It feels like there are so many deaths and so many stories and the stories are really good, but there's just so many of them that it is, you, you don't have time to process what just happened and you didn't know them. So it didn't really impact you the way that it would if this was a game where you spent a lot of time with these characters. Uh, in fact, I think one of the characters that I lingered on the most is probably one of the more interesting ones, uh, which is actually, I believe it is Edith's uncle, who was uh, uh, the brother of Dawn, your mother, if that's correct. I think you're thinking of Sam. Am I thinking of Sam? Trying to find out real quick here because uh, <laughs> it's it's a really interesting one. So um, uh, basically, there's one of the family members who no, it's not Sam. Okay, okay. Uh, one of the family members who is actually a bit of a pothead, and he worked at a fishing cannery. And his part of the house is actually one of the the highest points of the house, which. I don't know about you, but I was amazed, but it was also really frightening to be up there just like kind of walking willy nilly on this, on, on these really rickety staircases. Um, but having an opportunity to play through this character, uh, who I'm realizing thanks to the, to the video. Yeah. is Lewis, uh, he works at cannery and suffers from depression. And you can see as you're playing through the game as him, he's, playing a character in his mind and that character is represented as an actual RPG game that starts to bleed in literally over the actions that you're taking at the at the fishing cannery where you are just taking a fish moving it over cutting off its head and then putting it onto a conveyor belt to get canned um, which is a very simple job he did really well at it and the story talks about him talking to his therapist uh in in dealing with his life and how he's being disconnected and it, it i mean it makes sense if you worked in a cannery all day and all you were doing was just this thing that was killing fish and you start having these really awesome ideas about a video game in this world and you start um actually like building it up the more and more you build up that world uh the more con- compelling it is and that's exactly what happened with Lewis is that this world became so enticing of a world to live in compared to the life that he was living that he just continued to live his life through the game and through this world that he was building in his mind. In his mind, he's a prince, you know, and he's a powerful magician and stuff. And, you know, in real life, he's working at a cannery. But the way that they they built this uh, story out in the in the actual game is so amazing that I I just I was not expecting this when I was actually playing through this. Um but I'm 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 curious how did was this was this the best one for you or 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 did you have other ones no. that really touched on a better way? Uh, of- there are other ones that that 
resonated more with me. Mm. Um, however, I really enjoyed the, the mechanic that they did here because you're using one stick to do his job at the cannery and cut off the fish heads and throw them onto the conveyor and everything like that. And you're using the other stick to actually move through this RPG world. And like you mentioned, as you continue through this RPG world and like, you know, find like a king and, and drive a boat and do all this other stuff. And you're trying to kind of multitask both at the same time while you're doing it. This world starts to slowly overpower his cannery life. And by the time you get to kind of the end of that path in the RPG world, you pretty much don't even see the cannery anymore. And it's, I've never seen anything like this in a game. And so it was definitely a really interesting, unique mechanic to, to try and proceed through. Cause it's not like you mentioned earlier where you have two different characters that you're controlling. You're actually completing two distinct and completely different actions at the same time with the two different sticks. It's kind of like rubbing your head and, or rubbing your tummy and patting your head at the same time. <laughs> And it was a real challenge because as I was, as I was, you know, watching, uh, the playthrough when I was playing through it, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that every fish is taken care of while I'm moving through this world. And then the more that happened, the, the harder it became to actually take care of the fish just because the, the, the RPG world, this fantasy world was overlapping so much of the vision of the cannery that all I could see was the fish. And I just had to trust that. I wasn't putting my hand in the actual uh, cutting block where where the the uh, automated blade came slamming down on top of this fish. Um, but yeah, I, I actually think this this was probably the most unique styles of gameplay that I've ever seen. The one that really kind of uh, sets it aside is uh, Barbara's story, and that's that's one that I I thought was really beautiful that we kind of touched on earlier before we did the spoiler warning. Sorry. Um, but she was actually a child star and had a little bit of fame in a small town that really just kind of stuck with her as she grew up. And the way that you actually play through her story was really interesting. I don't know if you wanted to jump in on that. No, actually, I'm going to let you kind of take this one and I'll throw my two cents because I'm going to take Walter after this. Ooh, okay. All right. So, yeah, I really loved Barbara's story. I think it was uh, really, really beautiful the way that they, because I, like I had mentioned, I thought this was going to be a scary game. So when I got to this and I got a little bit of the scariness from it, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, so Barbara, who is, uh, you know, has this little bit of fame thanks to a, a movie when she's a child kind of goes on and she does the the normal thing of you know saying hi to people and going to conventions and things like that but um all of her story is retold as a panel by panel comic book so you actually learn about her death as a result of reading through this comic and i always wonder like you know was this comic made because of her death and if so it seems really a weird way to remember her character, uh, you know, her person as, as, as an actual comic, but absolutely really loved the, the idea of, um, her, her boyfriend needing help and, uh, you know, her, her father being cut and having to go to the hospital. So she's left alone with her boyfriend, but then her boyfriend disappears. Uh, and Walter is, is her little brother who's hiding. And as you kind of play through the, the pages of this comic book, you kind of uncover that, you know, she's starting to get kind of freaked out because 
she doesn't really know what's going on, but her boyfriend is so keen on, uh, you know, the, her success of, of this scream that she had when she was a kid that it kind of leads you to believe that he set this whole thing up to try and get her back in that, in that fame, uh, try and get her back into that stardom and to, to, you know, still be as relevant as she was when she was a kid. So when I got done with it, it was left into question. Like, you know, did she die because of her boyfriend? Was her boyfriend so obsessed with her that he ended up killing her? But I don't know why he would do that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something on that. I mean, they do mention that he disappeared and nobody knows what happened to him. And the only thing that was found of her was an ear, which is actually kind of gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in this uh, music box that was made for her. Uh, to help help kind of like act as a commemoration of her role in this Bigfoot movie, which it, the fact that it was a Bigfoot movie was just weird as well too. I will say I really liked that story piece there, where in the comic book she uses the key to, or she uses the turn thing to to pop open a key that was hidden inside the music box, and then Thessaly uses that to open the door to the basement, which in turn you will do after that. Yeah, yeah, the because you've seen that now in the comic. Yeah, they did a great job of of explaining uh, where to go or what to do in the game uh, through the story, the narrative, like before this you could actually go to the music box and you could actually turn the latch that plays the music box. But, you know, the, the, the basement door was always locked and it wasn't until this moment that you actually go through the comic book to learn the story of Barbara and her death that you come across that, that key. And it was just a, a really amazing way to kind of uncover story elements or game mechanics uh, through narrative that then informed the the future bit of the game I, I i can't agree more with you about that it's so it's just a really amazing way to do things i really liked how as you progress through the game it's to your benefit to pay attention to the story um and things that are happening in the story for example to find that key um or like you'll find interactive it it gives you hot spots that are interactive that you can click on that give you more story elements um, or or help flesh out kind of what path you're on at that time. And I think they did a really good job of giving you some information without giving you too much information that makes the story interesting and unique, but without you going, all right, why did I need to know what they had for lunch on June 13th? Yeah. Yeah. They really did kind of pare down all the extra content just to kind of give you the the quick and dirty of each of the stories. But I also wonder if maybe that was to a detriment because as we mentioned earlier, not a lot of these were that remember or memorable, but it, it definitely informed enough of the story to to get us past where we were or past where we are in the game to the next story. True. Um I'm actually use that as a segue if you don't have anything else about Barbara. Have Talk at about it. her little brother Walter. Yeah. So give us some more information about Walter, because he was actually in this and uh, was actually hiding for most of whatever actually did happen to Barbara. Yes. So at the end of Barbara's story, they actually show that Walter had been hiding the entire time. Um, and he actually gets traumatized by her death. And so he becomes a firm believer in the fact that there is a family curse. So what Walter does 
is he decides to basically build a bunker in the basement and lock himself in the basement for 30 years. And when you get to Walter's section of the story, you actually take like a can opener and a giant can of peaches and you use the stick to open the can with the can opener, eat the peaches and put it back down. And then the day on the calendar that's right next to you gets crossed off. And you do this multiple times to kind of get a feel for the fact that his day is just the same over and over and over. Well, finally, he's like, you know what? I've been here for 30 years. I can't do this anymore. And he goes down this hall in the bunker and he takes a sledgehammer and smashes out um, like a wall. And he comes out this wall and out of this tunnel. It kind of looks like a mining tunnel. And before I say anything else, every day when he's eating his peaches, he hears this loud vibration and noise. And he's convinced that there is a monster outside. And every day at the same time, this monster is trying to get into his bunker to get him. And that's that's how he's going to die. That's how he's going to get affected by this family curse. And so he's like, I just can't take this anymore. I've been here for 30 years. I can't keep living the same day. And he gets out of the mouth of the tunnel, goes outside, starts talking, looks up at the sky, thinks of how beautiful it is, and promptly gets hit by a train. Because that was his monster. Every single day, the train will pass by at the exact same time, and that's the noise and the vibration that he was hearing was convinced was the monster. So what's kind of interesting about this is he did get killed by the one thing that he was afraid of, but it wasn't what he thought it was. Yeah. Man, this was this was so. And this interesting. is the one that really stuck with me. Yeah, I, I I really can't blame you for that either, too, because this was one where as soon as I went down into that into that basement, I was like, "No, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't feel good about this." <laughs> and then you start hearing like noises and stuff, and I'm like, "Oh God, yeah, I don't want to be here. This is not going to be fun. This is not going to be a good time." And when I sat down, I was like, oh, God, why do I have to look this way? I can't see what's to my left or right. I have to keep eating all these peaches. This is so dumb. I hate this. I don't want to be here. And getting through the story, it was so crazy to go from, you know, like the 60s to the 70s. And like you were saying, 30 years, it's 2005. You know, you can see by the look on his on his hands that he's got liver spots. You know, he's he's significantly aged as a result of, you know, staying in this bunker this whole time. And I, it's just, mm-hmm. it was such a, such a sad thing that when he finally decides to go outside to, to confront his fears, to, to live what life he has left before it's gone. <laughs> and it's, it's not five minutes outside of this bunker that he ends up getting killed because he just didn't know there was a train track that was near his house where this bunker was. It's an, it's intense. That's that's the one more than anything. When I came back to this game, I remembered that one. This is the one that stuck with me for years because it just it was his monster, mm-hmm. and it was just not what he thought, and that's what got him. And so it didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter the fact he hid underground for thirty years after what happened to Barbara. That was that. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of stories where it felt like a result of something. Like the, the, it's such an interesting game how each character seems to impact the next character's death in some way. And it starts out with something as simple as the mom not giving the a daughter dinner. And then the daughter ends up 
eating a bunch of stuff that you really shouldn't eat as a kid is dangerous and ends up dying as a result of that. And then that that in turn causes distress with another family member that just it just continues the cycle and cycle. And this situation where Edith's death, your main or uh, not Edith's death. Um, what's the name of the mom? Oh, Dawn. Dawn, Dawn. Uh, Edith's mom's death is the catalyst for Edith coming back to uh, the house. And had it not been for all of these stories and Edith's mom pulling Edith away from all of this and Edith, you know, trying to get away from the family and then being curious about why this whole time and coming back to it, you probably, you know, she, she might not have had all this fear about what was going on, but it's, I don't know. Did you want to get into the, to the ending of the game at this point? I actually have a couple more characters. I'd oh, like okay. to cover if that's okay with you. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's actually use Dawn as a segue. So Edith's mom, our main character is Dawn. And uh, there's a section early on in the game where you play um, the story of Dawn and Sam. And Sam, um, I believe is her dad. And he takes her like camping and they're taking photos and they're going through this, you know, whole event of having a family camping trip. And he encourages her to shoot a deer. And she doesn't really want to do it, but she does. And then he wants to take a commemorative photo of them with the deer. Did you do this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's so interesting that she he wants to take her hunting and she's obsessed with this camera the whole time. She's taking photos of everything and just taking it all in. And he's trying to give her the the hunting trip to remember. Mm-hmm. And then she does shoot the animal. She feels really bad. She goes up, takes a picture because um, she's crying over the body. But the dad wants to be in the picture. So he sets a timer on the camera, runs up on the cliff to take a picture with her and gets kicked by the deer. And the picture snaps at the moment that he's falling to his death. Yeah. And that's a really good like slice of what happens in this entire game. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy to see like and and that was one too, you know, like halfway through this game I'm starting to wonder like okay, how are these people going to actually die at this point? Cuz it it's clear like the way that people are dying is very unique and I'm I'm just trying to understand like what is the thing that is going to cause the next character to actually die? Uh, and it was just, it, it was, this was probably one of the ones where I was, I had the hardest time kind of going through it. Cause I was like, what do I got to take a photo of? So that was one where I was just kind of snapping photos of like everything. I was just like taking pictures of everything and hoping that it was the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, I will say the only other main character that we have a lot of interaction with is Molly. And I know that, uh, we, we had kind of interesting feelings on that because it is the first character you play once you get into the game. So there's not a lot of precursor to that prior to really getting into your first death. Yeah. Yeah. And hers was a really sad one too, because I didn't really understand going into this, like what this story was about. Like again, coming into this game, totally thought it was going to be a scary story. So little girl, lots of little toys, there's everyone's de- like I was just I was ready to <laughs> I was ready to be scared and 
<laughs> I was I was glad that I wasn't scared, but I can definitely tell you I was not anticipating being a shark in the middle of the woods eating things or a python <laughs> crawling through the this this bar eating humans and stuff. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of set it up, but yeah, Molly is uh, one of the daughters of Edie, if I remember correctly. Help me out on that. Um. Yes, it, it's tough because to to figure out the family tree sometimes, because you're thrown all over these generations. Like Molly's diary starts in 1947, um, and then you'll play a character that is 10 year old in 2005. You know, it's sometimes you get a little lost on the relation between the characters. Yeah. So. But uh, yes, she is the daughter of Edie. Okay. That's that's I was pretty sure that was how it goes, because there's a couple different tree branches that kind of go off and kind of explain like who's who and whatnot. Um, so Molly being the uh, being a little girl when she dies, it was really kind of crazy that the reason that she is kind of going through this. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier is she was sent to bed. Uh, she was sent to bed without dinner and as she's kind of like sitting in her room, she's looking for stuff to eat because she's really, really hungry. So the first thing she does is she goes over to her gerbil cage and grabs uh, one of the carrots out of there. And after that, she grabs like toothpaste and starts to eat the toothpaste. And then she goes over and grabs these little holly berries that are on some holly that's next to a window. And if you know anything about holly, holly is poisonous. So she ends up eating these berries. And next thing you know, you're kind of like flung out side as uh, a cat and you're watching this cat go after this bird and then you become the cat chasing after this bird uh out in, on these tree branches and it just escalates after that like after that you become like a, a an owl and you go hunting or a hawk and you go hunting after these bunnies and then but the bunnies aren't enough so you start going after uh, uh different creatures as a, as a shark and you start trying to get to the water and Next thing you know, you become this python and you're you're traversing through this bar and you're attacking men that are sitting on bar stools from that perspective. And it never really explicitly says like why Molly died, but based on, you know, the context of the situation, it treats the death in such a unique fashion that you don't really it didn't really click with me that I was I was playing through someone's last moments of their life. Uh, through this story as this character it just seemed like a really weird way to talk about what she was doing i think it's kind of like the little kid in the bathtub um that it's handled kind of white gloved and i'm glad that they did that because that way people who are sensitive to these things can have a little bit more comfort that it's not going to be this awful gruesome traumatizing moment yeah which makes sense. They want they want people to understand the story, but not feel the pain necessarily of what's going on. And it's just it was really it was a really cool way to come at a game. Uh, having not ever played something like this before, I wasn't expecting like how they were going to approach these different topics and and how it was going to play out. But I'm really glad that what we got was uh, a tasteful way to touch on death, but from a story of a family that seems like they just can't seem to get away from death. And that's kind of a weird thing to say for anyone, but their deaths always seem 
like they they were well before they should have been. Uh, it always felt like it was an accident that caused the death, as opposed to just old age. So speaking of, let's take the gut punch and go to the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to kind of fill us in? I'll touch on it a little bit. So as you're playing through all these stories of people's deaths and kind of um, finding out what happened to them and their interactions and who's related to who, um, it periodically jumps back to Edith as she's finding these people's journals and investigating what's happening with her family and kind of trying to put it all together um, so that she can put it in a journal because you can actually see early on if you look down that her belly is swollen and she mentions at one point that she shouldn't be climbing if she's 22 weeks pregnant um so what she's doing she's kind of putting her family history together because as of now she's the only remaining finch that we know of um and then she's writing it for her future son she's 18 she's pregnant um when we get to the end of the story, I think they handled it honestly, incredibly tactfully. What you find out is that, and it's if you really pay attention, you would have noticed it at the very, very beginning. But at that point, you're like, oh, I'm just starting a game, you know. Um, in the very beginning of the game, you're opening Edith's journal. And then throughout the story, you're opening everybody else's journal. So at the end, Edith's journal is... Um, closed and set on a gravestone with some flowers and you find out that it's her son and that she died in childbirth yeah they did a really so interesting way of actually doing that too because as she's kind of explaining and this this totally caught me off guard like when you were talking about looking down and seeing the swollen belly i didn't notice that at all like it didn't even click to me that that she was i i thought she was just there for the sake of trying to get the stories so when I, she could have drank a lot of beer. Yeah, you know, I I, I deal with that all the time. <laughs> it's totally, totally possible. But no, so yeah, yeah. When she said that she was pregnant and that she shouldn't be climbing on on the trees and stuff to get around this house, uh, then that was when I was like, oh no, you got to be kidding me. And I'll I'll be honest when it when it cut cut to a scene where it was clear that. There was a light at the end of this tunnel and you were moving towards the light. I was like, she's going to die in childbirth. This sucks so much. I was not expecting this. This hits. It hits so hard and it really killed me that I was just like, oh, this is not how I thought this game was going to end. I genuinely thought she was going to get the stories that she wanted and that was going to be it. And it was going to move on to, to the end of the game. But True to true to the the fashion of the game, or true to the game, it's it was clear that you know everyone in the Finch family dies, and the last story that we have is the one of Edith passing on these stories to her son, who at this point is doomed because I don't know how how he's going to survive life and be able to make through it all before he he dies of natural causes. It brings back the same question. So if the Finch family's been cursed for over 500 years, is it bad luck or is it an actual curse? That's the big discussion, I think, in the end. And I, it was sad to lose Edith because you spend this time discovering her family through her, and then you find out that she doesn't make it. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's actually kind of a good place to kind of end things is with this question 
is it a curse or is it just bad luck or is bad luck a curse in and of itself and did the finch family just suffer from that were there this episode is a total downer i'm just saying it yeah it was but it's such a good <laughs> game Oh, it's such a good game. It is good. Everybody needs to play it. I mean, really, take, you know, two or three hours out of your time, wander the house, find out the stories. And, and what's really different about that is that each story, you have a different mechanic that you're playing through in order to play through that person's death. Yep. Yeah, it was really unique, really beautiful. Um, was there anything that you wanted to touch on before we head out? Uh, we really covered everything that I wanted to talk to uh, on this particular game. Me too. Um, and I think we've had a really solid conversation on it. But if anybody wants to throw out there and let us know on Twitter or uh, Discord, if you think it's bad luck or if the Finch family is actually cursed, I'm actually very interested to kind of hear people's takes on that. Yeah. And I know Big Bad Pad said he really liked this game too. So Nice. Yeah. It was really, really awesome. And I'd love to get some discussion going about that so uh that's gonna do it for this episode of destination indie uh this was episode three we covered what remains of edith finch uh kylia where can people get a hold of you if they uh want to talk to you more about this so you can always find me in captain logan's discord under kylia um also you can reach out to me at destination at gmail.com or kylia or destination indie on twitter as well and that's k-y-l-e-i-a awesome so thanks everyone for joining in uh i'll have the links for everything in the show notes as always and uh we will be back next week with another game or hopefully next week no promises we're still working that out we're figuring this out as we go along but for right now life man yeah it's tough Life is tough, as the Finches would tell you. And with that, I think this is a great way to end the episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon. I promise. Thanks, everyone, for being here.